You are now tuned into The Chameleon Show with me, your host, Tamika Tanel. Now, before I proceed, the producers wanted me to tell you that this podcast has loads of adult content and, well, topic discretion is an individual choice. And, oh, yeah, don't forget to follow us on Anchor.fm and subscribe and follow The Chameleon Show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And tell your friends about your girl. Let's get to it. What to do all you say, sinners and page watchers? Wait a minute. What that they only give you that little bitty piece? Okay, listen, check this. <laughs> what to do all you say, sinners and page watchers? It is your girl, Tamika Tanell, and I am back at it again, baby, on this beautiful day. Um, this is the day that the Lord has made. Ain't that how they say? It? Ain't that how they say, it, saints? All right, look. I am so glad to be back on the airways. Listen, I truly, truly appreciate you taking time with me, your girl. You could be doing anything else, but you have decided to take the next 30 or so minutes with me and <laughs> want to do it. Okay, so I got so much to say, so little time to say it, but you already know how we get down. We're going to start with some trending topics and then our trending news, however you want to say it. And then I have a topic for today. So if you have read the title of this particular episode, it is Raising Adult Kids. Yes, I have two adult children and it is driving me insane. O-M-G. I promise y'all, being a mother of adult children is literally the hardest thing i would rather them be kids all over again but we're gonna talk about what's done happened and what's going on in my little life uh but before we do that let's talk about what's going on in the world first off first things first i have to promote this july 7th is the blackout dates for uh the black coalition please make sure that You do not spend a dime with anyone except for black businesses. We are taking an economic stance and letting the people know, letting society know that not only do black lives matter, but that we make an impact on this world. You know what I'm saying? So again, July 7th, do not spend any money. I mean nothing. Don't spend a dime. And if you have to, make sure you spend that dime with black businesses. All right. So I got that out the way. I also wanted to tell you that um, I've been in here, you know, being in my creative spirit. You know, your girl been in her spirit and her creative juices. I'm telling you, it's dripping. You know what I'm saying? Um, But no, I am on Wetpad. I'm not sure if you have heard anything like of of webpad pre- you know previously to me mentioning it now but if you haven't i am definitely going to put a link in this description box in the description box of this episode please please support support your girl go out there uh read what i'm writing let me know if you love it if you do if you don't 
I take constructive criticism. Now, just so that you know, I am, you know, who was it that said, uh, I'm sensitive about my <laughs> shit. You heard me? I think that was Beyonce or Erica Badu. I don't know which one. But just know that if you're going to offer me some constructive criticism, please do it so in love. Your girl already don't even really want to share it. Because I am, I am afraid of criticism. <laughs> I'm afraid of it. I'm a human being. All right. But I truly, truly do hope you will go out there and support me. Just let you know, read it. I um, have a website that is being currently created where I am. Um, all my creative juices from this podcast to the many books that I am reading, uh, writing and have written that I'm slowly but surely uploading on Webpad as well as NCAT. Um, so I'll put both of those links on there so that you can go out there and take a look at it. All right. So another thing that I wanted to um, bring up, we have if you're on social media, I guarantee that you are watching tons of videos with or, or reading tons of articles in which, you know, uh, depicts the lifestyle that us African-American people here in the United States have had to deal with, you know, the blatant racism, the inequality, the, you know, being passed over for jobs that, you know, job promotions that we were, you know, rightfully ours and giving it to someone who uh, isn't, uh, you know, qualified, but because their skin is of another color, uh, they get the position. You have seen the racial profiling, how police officers will basically run the tags of an African-American man and African-American women and pull them over without having any reason whatsoever just to harass them. I guarantee you that if you are on social media, you are seeing all kinds of acts of uh, violence towards African-American people crazy thing is this isn't something that is new. We have dealt with this all of our lives. I am 40 years old and I can honestly tell you that from the time I was a teenager up until now, I have dealt with all types of, uh, you know, stereotypes placed upon me judgments placed upon me simply because of the color of my skin. I have been overlooked. I have been forgotten about. And it's disheartening. It's also um, hard when you are a, a mother of an African-American uh, young man or the wife of an African-American man, you know, because you're constantly worried about what could and will happen to your loved one, simply because, again, the color of their skin. I know it all sounds like ignorance. My point is this. It isn't new to me. So when I have people, you know, like my my white colleagues or my uh, Caucasian friends, let's say that, and they're asking me or, you know, because it's now so it's, I mean, like, it feel like it's being hammered 
into the minds of everyone. It's everywhere. Everywhere you go, you're going to see something. Every time I go outside, I see someone protesting. It may be one person. It may be five people. But there's these Black Lives, uh, Black Lives Matters posters and people screaming and shouting it from the rooftops. And let me say this first. I truly, truly appreciate it. I know I said it in the other podcast, but I'm going to keep saying it. I appreciate you standing beside me using your voice, okay? Um, but I'm sick and tired of, you know, people to asking me about it. Does that make sense? Like I'm going to, I'm, I am a person of that feels that I, I have no issue with educating people, but at some point I do feel that we, people need to take the initiative to educate themselves. You know what I'm saying? I had, I'm going to tell you a story, a real quick story, okay? I recall um, a friend of mine, she and I, we had went to Burlington Coal Factory. This was up in Mason uh, near my old job or whatever. So we were at this Burlington Coal Factory. She and I were giggling and laughing. She brought something. I don't think that I brought and purchased anything. All I had in my hand was a, um, a clutch purse, one of those wristlets, okay? So we walk out. Now, she's the only one with the bag. When I walk out first, the, well, when I walk out, no, 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 I'm sorry. When she walks out, the little detector doesn't go off. But when I walk out, the detector goes off. Now, I don't have a coat on, a jacket on, a a bag. I have absolutely nothing. But she had a bag. When she went out, it didn't go off. So, of course, the cashier comes over to where we're standing and have her go out. It doesn't go off. Then they have me go out. Now, all I have is a little coach wristlet. I couldn't put anything in that wristlet from this store. Okay. So, they actually go through <laughs> my wristlet. So, when we walking out, my uh, friend, she says, you know, what was that all about? So I explained to her, like, it was, you know, just for me, what, what I'm used to is just blatant racism. Now I know you're like, okay, well, Tamika, it was a, uh, it was a, you know, a device. It wasn't so much as somebody's doing something. I don't know, but don't you find that odd that when we go through the metal detector, it doesn't go off on a person that actually has a bag, but a person that has, doesn't have anything, it goes off on me. You know what I'm saying? So we could say, well, maybe it was because you had on jury or maybe it was your belt or maybe we could constantly say that. But one thing that I do know is I'm used to it. So she wasn't, but I was. So there were a few times where we would go out to dinner and it would be a group of us. And of course, some of the, I have, I have different friends. So I may have like my old lady gang that I hang with. And they're women that's in their sixties and seventies. And I love being around them, honey, because they are the truth. Do you understand me? They are the truth. They're my girls. But then I also have my CPP posse, you know what I'm saying? My home girls, and they're all white. I'm the only African-American out of the clique. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, what, it, it's probably like 10 or 12 of us, you know? 
So we would always go out. We would go out for have to have drinks and things of that nature. But when we would go out, we would always stay close up to where the job is. So one day I just let them know, like, hey, check dig. I'm sick of going up there. I don't know about y'all, but I'm sick of going up there because I'm sick of, you know, I, I have to think about where I'm at, at you know, at certain times because it is racist. People up that way. You know what I'm saying? Those people don't look like me. So while your drink may be fine, my drink may be spitting. My drink may, my food may have been thrown on the floor. You see what I'm saying? So with that being said, sometimes let's just go down here where my people at, where people that look like me are at, where you're going to have diversity. You know what I'm saying? And I'm, I'm damn sure I'm not going to find that in Mason, Ohio. Uh, I just I just didn't. So whenever I was there, I always felt uneasy, uneasy. I always felt like they were looking. People were looking at me. Um, I was being judged. And I remember one time we was over one of my girlfriend's house and we were just having this conversation. It was three of them. They were, you know, three white ladies and then me. And when I'm with them, I don't ever think about race. And I don't think that they do either. I mean, we have deep, deep ass conversations about life. And one day we got on the topic and this is no lie, y'all. This is right before all of this man down situation done occurred with COVID-19. We had a girl's night, we was drinking and we had brought up race. And one of my friends, she had said, you know, Tamika, I, she, because she's from um, her, she's not actually an American and, but if you looked at her, you would not know. You would think that she's just a white girl. You know what I mean? And her parents are um, um, from another country. And she was telling me about the blatant uh, discrimination that her family had, her mother and her father went through just because they were foreigners. And because of that, we, she was able to relate. I'm not saying, and, and I'm going to say this, relate, empathize and sympathy, uh, sympathize with what I go through because her parents had to go through it. Right. So, uh, she and I, we having this conversation and I'm telling her, uh, what I'm going, what I have gone through, but not on the scale of what is being spoken about and revealed now. It was more so surface. I gave them surface information. And the reason being is because I guess even though I truly, truly respect these ladies, I love them. Um, we talk, you know, if they need me, I'm there. There had there is still, there was still at that time a feeling of if you ain't been through it, you're not gonna get it. And me trying to explain it to you when it's, to me, it's evident. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's always been there. I don't understand how you can ignore it. How can't you understand it? So fast forward to now. So my one girlfriend, she gives me a call and she tells me, you know, the first thing she does is she apologize, apologizes for her ignorance because she was the same friend when we went to Burlington Co. Factory and she seen it, but it still didn't register. And she wanted to know like, hey, Tamika, what can I do? What can I do? And I told her the one thing that I felt that she can do is use her voice, educate yourself, you know, um, 
Because at the end of the day, constantly coming to a black person and asking a black person, how are you feeling? What's going on? Are you okay? Like constantly hearing that, it's kind of sort of like, hey, check dig. I've been dealing with this shit for 40 years, all my life. So it's not abnormal for me. You, you see what I'm saying? I'm, I'm, I know it's crazy to say that I'm immune to it, but I'm used to being handled a certain kind of way. And because of that, it has caused me to have a certain type of, uh, let me say, like a, a barrier to protect myself. I'm not going like, you know, I, I may be a very emotional person indoors, but outside my house, I cannot show weakness. I can't, I'm not, you're going to not going to see me in, in the office crying because the boss gave Sarah the job and not me, even though Sarah just walked in the damn door and she doesn't have any of the experience or the qualifications to do the job, but I do. I'm not going to cry in front of my boss about that. But when I go home, I am, you see what I'm saying? So when they, when I'm asked and I'm just like, you know, I'm going to, again, like I said, I'm going to always educate. So I will explain or answer questions. But at some point, I do believe that people that do not wear black skin, brown skin, they have to look at it for themselves, research it yourself. The thing of it is, is it doesn't, it's not, it's not, um, (laughs) it's not something that's hidden in the book. It's not something that is so far-fetched. I mean, it's definitely in your face. It's in your face. The shit that has been going on in America towards Black people has always... It's, I mean, it's, I don't see how anybody can ignore, not see it. But then I have to check myself because I know how I think in my brain. You know, I'm one of those people that I will pick apart a topic so that I can have a firm stance on it because when I speak... What I say is what I mean, and what I mean is what I say, period, okay? So then I got to thinking about uh, this one friend that I had. Um, she's uh, from Puerto Rico, and she's and uh, she has her citizenship, but her husband does not. And she was telling me, you know, all this stuff that she was going through, her husband had to go through, and, you know, not having medical care and all this stuff. And I'm thinking like, well, I mean, he works here. So if he works here, he should be able to get medical care. I mean, if he works here, he should be able to get, if he, you know, get laid off, he should be able to get unemployment. If he's allowed to live here, why isn't he giving me this, giving the same uh, stuff that all other Americans get, you know? So I'm sitting here and I'm, and, and when she was thinking, when she was saying this, I was oblivious to what she's going through. And she could then go and say, well, Tamika, it's right in your face. How can't you not see how they're treating, you know, our Latino brothers and sisters, our Dominican brothers and sisters, you know, our South American brothers and sisters, our Cuban brothers and sisters, our people that uh, may not have been born on the American soil, but have moved here and live here and contribute to our society how is it that they're not given medical care in the same type of, uh, uh, you know, rights that we're given? 
as Americans. And that's when I had to check myself. What I've learned or what my point is this, sometimes if, you, if, you, if it's not your life, if you're not living it, then it's not that you're, you know, you're just ignoring it, ignoring the issue. But we're a people that um, have a better understanding of our lives and not the next door neighbor's life. Does that make sense? So I may not understand or I mean, because I don't live in my one friend's uh, who's from Puerto Rico, I don't have I don't. That's not my story. Then I don't have no idea what's going on in her life. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I don't know her hardships. But just because I don't know them doesn't mean that I can't be empathetic and sympathetic to her struggle. And I have to hold myself accountable to make sure that I am aware of her struggle so that I, too, can use my voice for those who whose voices are being coiled. So I know I, this was a long trending topic, but I just had to get that out there. I have to be held accountable. I have to hold myself accountable to make sure that I'm not just so fixated on what's going on in my world, but I'm also fixated on what's going on in the worlds or the lives of people that are foreigners or considered foreigners who live here, who's trying to get citizenship. This Black Lives Matter is powerful. It's transcending. It's going to move mountains and it is moving mountains. But we got so much work to do. Yes, we are fighting for the lives of black men and women. But we also need to be fighting. Once we get this under control, once we, you know what I'm saying? Once we put a a sound foundation down for African-American people, we need to start working on our society as a whole. If you are here, it should be you are an American citizen. Color should not even matter. So that means take off color on the birth certificate, application, jo- job applications, medical information. It should not have anything to do with who you are when they're asking you your first and last name, your social security number. And your ethnicity. There is no need for it. I'm an American. No, I'm not an African. My descendants are, are my um, ancestors are from Africa. But that doesn't mean that that's my land. That's not my land. My land is the American land. This I have rights to this land. Yeah, I can go over to Ghana and get dual citizenship. But that ain't where I want to be. I want to be here where I'm rooted and grounded at. And and I'm not the only one that feels that way. I'm pretty sure that my Puerto Rican friend feels the same way. You see what I'm saying? If they're here, this is their land. This is where they want to build their foundation at. So if this is where they're choosing to be, 
and they're contributing to society, how dare another race feel the need to be superior and say, you're not worthy of the same things that I'm worthy of because of where you come from and the color of your skin. That to me is ignorance. And I just feel that when we got to educate ourselves, that's where I'm at. We need to educate ourselves. All right, look, check this. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back here and I'm going to talk about raising adult kids. Lord have mercy, baby. That gets on my nerves. Jack Dick, are you looking for a good read? Are you sick and tired of the same old, same old? Well, listen, check out my new read, Black Eagle on Wet Pads for free. Dive into a world in which Danielle Johnson is about to discover that demons do exist, both in the bed and in her closet. My heart desires to experience the intimates of love, but the cost depleted my savings account. Hence the reason I wave goodbye to Ohio and hello to my new job in New Mexico. From here on out, life will be sweet. Well, that's what I thought until I realized I'd be working for the employer from hell. He's domineering, controlling, and gets off on ruining my life. So, how did I end up in his bed and thrown into a world I never knew existed? Maybe I'm a sucker for good looks and extraordinary sexual pleasure. But in all fairness, I'm starting to think my boss, Mr. Pine still, and my paths were bound to cross. And unfortunately... This time, it's likely that I'll lose everything. I'm not just recounting a romantic tale about love. It's my story of sexual exploration, immortality, and surviving the Afriti. I dare you to take this journey with me. Welcome back. All right. So listen, the topic, raising adult children. As I stated, I have a 23-year-old and a 20-year-old. All right. And they're rum. It ain't easy. I don't know how it is for raising girls because I don't have any um uh girls. So, you know, and I and and I'm and I'm happy about that because Lord knows I don't think that um the way that I am, I'm a very, very direct person. And I just don't think that my personality mixes well with raising a daughter. See, you can say something to a son and they like, they'll come right back to you. You know, they don't, they don't harbor it 
forever, like little girls do. So, um, yeah, I just don't think that I would have worked. We would have worked out. <laughs> so, you know, God truly knows what you are capable of dealing with. You know what I'm saying? So praise God that I didn't have to have no little girls. Anyway, so recently, um, I realized that your children, you raise kids and you think this is how they're going to be. You instill all the values, all the morals, all the respect, all the wisdom that you have learned over the years. You instill that information into your child because the idea of being a parent is or what I feel the purpose of being a parent is to is to give your kids the tools. Not only give them the tools, but show them. Right. So you want to be be an active participant in what you're speaking and the things that's coming up out of your mouth. So if I'm going to say, you know, don't smoke, I shouldn't be smoking. You know, if I say don't drink, I should not be drinking. If I say that you should respect your body, then I should be respecting my body. Right. So I am a person that believes that you need to be a doer in what you preach. OK, so I'm telling my kids, you tell your kids all these great things and you give them, you show them and you uh, teach them and give them the tools to build their own boat. Right. And they're going to build this boat up and they're going to sail across the ocean of life. And while they're sailing, they're going to go through some hardships and the idea or the intent of a parent or the idea, shall I say, is that they'll go back and remember what you showed them and what you told them. Now that's what I thought. Okay. <laughs> and it does work that way for some children. Then you have those ones that every single thing you have taught them, it's like it went out the daggone window. You sit up and you be looking like, what in the hell happened to you? I didn't raise you like that. You have to question yourself. Like, wait a minute. Did I, why do this child get it? And this child do not. And I get it. They're all individuals. So they're going to learn in their own time. And sometimes, and my, and my daddy's favorite, my, my dad's famous Words are this. Some people get it and some people don't. Some people want it and some people won't. And that is the truth. Do you hear me? You have some people who will get the message, receive the message, apply the message. And then you got some that will just act like they did not hear a darn thing that came out of your mouth. My husband and I always instilled into the kids this. Don't you ever put your hands on no woman. Always look a person in the hand, in the face, in the eyes when you speak to them. Respect your elders. Respect the woman that you're with. Don't put your penis in nothing you ain't trying to have no baby with because stuff happens. And we ain't saying you got to marry everything or you got to love everything. You got to be in every relationship. But you want to be mindful of who you land your laying down with, because just like her body is a is a precious gift. Your semen is, too. These are things that we taught our kids. Always look your best when you go outside. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I didn't ever let my kids, you know, uh, get designs and stuff like in like that in their heads. Because, again, they were black. They, they're black. So 
I had to prepare them for working, um, you know, being a part of society, the same society that's going to be intimidated by them and judge them simply because of the color of their skin and not because of their characters and the morals and the respect that their parents have instilled in them and that they exude each and every single day. So you give your kids all of this stuff and, and you think you're like, OK, look, <laughs> I did a good job. You know what I'm saying? We really rocked this boat. We not only showed them discipline, but we also gave them love. We paraded them and went and encouraged them with their, you know, doing their achievements and things of that nature. And when they were wrong or did something out of order, we disciplined they asked. You know what I'm saying? Do we did I do we believe in whoopings? Hell yeah, we believed in whoopings. Do every punish every, you know, crime re requires or wrongdoing requires you to get, you know, a whooping? No. You know, we say whoopings for when you was like, hey, check this. You need this ass kicking. You've been, you been begging for it, and I'm going to give it to you. You know what I'm saying? It was around those times. You know, not all the time. Just, you know, when you was, you know, <laughs> when it was needed. But we, if we gave you a punishment, we we would, or even when we, um, you know, we whooped your ass. After we whooped your ass, we'll sit down and talk to you about you. Why you got your ass whooped? Like, <laughs> We want to talk. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> we would sit down and talk to him, y'all, like, hey, this is why we whooped your ass. And uh, <laughs> I know you like to me because you serious. Because I know they probably wasn't even listening to you after you just whooped their ass. But I'm just saying, after they got their ass whooped or when we punished them, we would always explain to them why they were punished or why what was going on and whatever punishment we decided to give to them we stuck with it so my middle son he loved being outside okay so that would be his punishment not going outside now here's the thing when you punish your child know that that punishment also means that you're punishing yourself okay so i knew that i could not Keep him from being outside for longer than a week to two weeks. Anything after that, and he was going to drive me crazy. You feel me? So I would, his punishments would be based off of what I can deal with. Because if I'm keeping him indoors and he's an outside kid, he going to be driving me crazy. And what ends up happening is we'll say, just go ahead and go outside because they're getting on your nerves. So no, no, no. I'm If, if I'm giving you a week, that's what you're getting. Um, my oldest son, however, not so much outside, but he was, you know, he's very intellectual. So he would like to play on his games and, uh, you know, his Xbox and watch television and stuff like that. So that would be what we would take from him. However, because he had a great, he has a great imagination. He can, he can play with hangers. You see what I'm saying? So if you're taking the Xbox and the and, and, you know, the TV, he'll go play with some hangers or something like that. So his punishments may have been longer. It may not have been a week or two weeks. It may have been a month. And yeah, child, sometimes it was just like, oh, maybe I should. I'm going to rethink that. Now, that youngest child of mine, y'all, uh, <laughs> after 
after the second child, let me tell y'all something. After the second child, you get a little tired. So you just, you just be like, whatever the hell you want to do. Okay, so we ain't going to talk about him. He only 13. We'll see what, what he turns out to be as a man when he get older. But those oldest two, I just feel like we gave y'all the best years of our life. Okay, so when you look at your kids and you're like, okay, why in the hell are you going to work looking like a damn bum? Like you just, like you just woke up, put on whatever was on the side of your bed and went to work. Why do you think that it's okay for you to curse in front of me? Now, both my boys, both my um elder sons, they like to like try to slide little curse words in. I don't know about y'all, but me, I don't care if you're 40, you're still my child. I don't look at you as no other way. You're still my child. And even if you got a child of your own, again, you have to remember, show them, instill in them, right? Show them, teach them, and let them build their own their own boat, right? So if you don't want your kids disrespecting you and cussing at you, then what makes you think that it's okay for you to disrespect me and cuss in front of me? Ain't gonna happen. So I'm constantly like, you know, I even done, I even told my one son, you say, you slip up one more time and I'm gonna slap you in your damn mouth in front of your daughter, honey, <laughs> in front of your child. Because again, I'm your mother. And just because you have, uh, your age has gone up, just because you have kids of your own and a family of your own does not mean that you're still not my child. It does mean, though, that there is a level of respect, like the dynamics of our relationship is definitely going to change because I can't tell you what to do, which is the what is so freaking difficult being in a parent of adult kids. When my children were younger, I chose who their friends were. I picked out their clothes and their hairstyles. I dictated their life, where you're going to go. I steered them. But baby, when they became adults, we're not no longer able to do that. We are basically offering suggestions. <laughs> now, my mama, my mama don't believe in offering suggestions. She's telling you <laughs> if, what different strokes for different folks. But my mama going to tell you what you're going to do. Even still, I'm 40 years old. And my youngest, my sister, my baby sister, I believe she's either 34 or 35. My mama don't, and my brother, I think he's like 36, 37. My mama don't have no problem with telling you what to do with your kids and, and what you going to do and how you better do it. I'm not that parent, though. I feel like, listen, this is your life. Go, You're going to live it the way that you want to live it. But I am hoping that the stuff that I taught you, that you implement that in the decision when you're making your decisions. Right. I'm hoping that when I told you don't be running up in no vagina without no condom, that you you feel me that you don't do that. I'll not do it. Yeah. Yeah. OK, let me say it all over again. I'm hoping <laughs> Then when I tell you not to be running up in no vagina without no condom, that you don't do it, not that you do it. I don't want you to do it. So when I find out that you did it, I'm looking at you like, did you not hear what I said? You know what I'm saying? Did you not adhere to the rules? When I tell you that it's a certain kind of way, when I have, you know, your father and I have made sure that you had nice, nice clean clothes, and, and and no sagging and wear belt and blah, blah, blah. Then when I see you going to work and I can see your draws and I check your ass about it, it's my feeling 
that you shouldn't be in your feelings about it. You feel me? Because these are things that I feel you should know. I feel you should know that you need to shower and brush your teeth. I feel you should know that you need to be responsible and be a man and get out here and handle your business. I feel like you should know that there is no room for mediocrity because we were on you about it. Everybody in here has a purpose. Everybody in here has a job. Everybody in here has to do something. Even the dog got a purpose, honey. He's not in here just soaking up air and getting free food. His job is to protect and serve, honey. Everybody has a position. So I'm hoping that as a parent, that's our, that's what we're hoping, that everything that we have instilled in our children, that they're going to go out, they're going to utilize it and be the best people that they can be. But what happens when they turn around and they show enough, I mean show enough, is the complete opposite of what you raised. You start to really question yourself like, was it me? Did I do something wrong? And then you have to remember like, hey, some people want it. Some people don't. You know what I'm saying? Some people going to get it. Some people won't. You have to remember that, right? And then you have, then you realize like, okay, well, how is it that this kid got it? But they, again, like I said, they're individuals. My point is this. As parents, we have to realize that no matter what we put in them, it's still up to that child when they're adults, to pull that out of them. what we You could be a person that's taking your child to school, I mean to church, every Sunday. They, they in church, every, they haven't missed a day of church. They go to Bible studies and a prayer service and all kind of service. You feel me? They get older and they do not want any part of the church. But whether or not if they go to the, the you know, they go to the building, you're hoping that all those sermons and all those scriptures that they've heard over the years, that they pull that out of themselves when they're going through the valley of the shadow of death. You see what I'm saying? When they are at their lowest point, because that's the thing, we're all going to experience that. The hardest part for the parent is sitting back on shore, watching your kid in the boat that they have built and you see holes in the damn boat and you're like oh god they're gonna go under they're gonna sink some parents what they'll do is they'll get in their boat and they'll run over there and get the kid like get on get back on my boat get back on my boat you ain't ready to you ain't ready to do this yet and sometimes that stunts their growth sometimes what you have to do and this is i'm i'm telling y'all this happened to me this week my little heart was just broken, honey. My my baby, one of my sons said some, some flat stuff to me and told me he was done with me for real. My little feelings was hurt. And I'm like, what did I do to you? And one of the things that I realized that I did was I was honest. See, sometimes when you're honest, because they have they're grown and they got egos now, and they feel like they you can't tell them nothing, you know. And I, and I try to be mindful of speaking to them, like not speaking to them as though they're children, but as though they're men. Because that's respect. I'm going to give you that respect. 
But one thing is for certain and two things is for sure. I'm still your mama. So you're going to watch how you talk to me. So when you tell me you done with me for real, my feelings is hurt. You can't then call me the next day and ask me, can I babysit your child, honey? Because that's not going to happen. It's not. It's, I, I'm sorry. Just like you have feelings, I have feelings too. You know what I'm saying? And I have had to tell my kids that. I have had to show them like, hey, yes, because when you were a child, you looked at mommy and daddy as though we were Superman and Superwoman. Then you realize like, oh, as we got older, my mom and my dad are just human beings that are experiencing life too. So when I say something that I hurt my mama feelings, my mama feelings is hurt. And I have to remind them, like, hey, I got feelings too. So when you get all up and you start talking and you think you're going to disrespect me, I'm going to shut completely down. Don't please don't make me have to treat you like one of these motherfuckers out here on the street. You hear me? Please don't make me have to do that. And it, it, it just, it, it really, really baffles me. Like you give them all these tools and then you turn around and they, and, and all you could do. And, and then that's, I was talking to my best friend and I was telling her like, Hey, I am literally going to step back and allow them to do them. And she's like, no, no, no. You still need to talk to that one because he going through some things. And I'm like, uh-uh. I've done every single thing that I could possibly think of. I've said every single thing that I could possibly say. But the one thing that I haven't done was to quit rowing my boat out into the ocean and having him come back on my boat and then thinking that he's going to fix the holes that I see that he don't see. So perhaps maybe if I stay on shore and on shore pray for him that he sees the holes and that his boat is sinking when he realizes that his feet is wet, when the water submerges is up to his ankles and then his knees and then his waist, that he finally realized, oh, my boat needs some fixing. Then he'll go back and start using the tools that was given to him so that he can be the best him he can be. Maybe as a parent of adult children, after we have exhausted all the things that we could possibly do and say it is best, that we say and do nothing. Allow them to experience life. No, we don't want to see our kids going through hardships, the hardships of life. We don't. But I would rather him figure out that his boat is sinking and do something about it versus me constantly going over there and saving him and he never knowing how to stand on his own two feet. Because the way that we believe that the world, are, you know, how we're how things are designed is that uh, the parents are supposed to die first and then the children. Well, if that's the case, if that's what's going to happen, then I need to be able to rest comfortably knowing that my child can stand on their own two feet. So... I'm going to do what I've always known eventually that I was going to have to do, which is stand on the shore 
and allow them to see life from their perspective, for them to fix their holes and their boats, opposed to me thinking that I have to continue to keep doing it. So my message to you parents is this, it's simple. It's simple. When they're adults, I'm not talking about kids, talking about adults. When they're no longer wanting, like you don't have, you can't tell them to go here or there. Let go. When you know you've given all that you have could give, let go. I'm not saying don't ever help, but allow them to ask for help opposed to you just intruding and offering something that they don't even know that they need. They'll figure it out. They're smart. They came from you. Remember that. All right, listen, check dig. I am out of time. So I'm going to go ahead and get off of here. Thank you so very much for taking time with me. I truly, truly appreciate it. Again, remember, go to Wattpad, read your girl book, Black Ego. Follow me on all the social media pro, um, pr platforms. And again, until next time, this is Tamika Tanel, and I am out.